The Gundog Notebook Podcast is presented to you by Onyx Hunt, crafted to be the number one digital mapping resource for hunters, anglers, and landowners. Download the Onyx Hunt app from your phone's app store today and use my promo code GDN20 for 20% off your Onyx subscription. If you want to get the most of your dog in your training sessions, you need nutrition that holds nothing back. Yukonuba's new premium performance lineup is built with the nutrients dogs need to help unleash their maximum potential. That starts with providing energy that matches their efforts, supporting optimal nutrient delivery, and supporting post-exercise recovery. Check out the new Yukonuba Premium Performance lineup and find your dog's fuel at yukonubasportingdog.com. Of course, I also want to bring up my good friends over at Trinity Kennels, home of the Epping Yell Breton. Um, of course, I was just out with Josh this past weekend, so you know I got a chance to see Moose personally run with Vegas um, champion Moose, and if. If, if, you, if I didn't know before how awesome Moose's record was just on paper, I found out in them woods right there. Moose rolled with, he rolls like a pointer, honestly. It was, it was very cool. But anywho, um, with Trinity Kennels, Josh is actually down uh, doing a, an apprenticeship with uh, George Hickox at the moment right now, guys. So he is going to come back and, and bring some of that, that Hickox wisdom on into further the, the the already awesome trinity kennels um and and take their breeding program and their training program up that much more um and speaking of george hickox guys i will be offering the hickox dvds uh very soon on the podcast um for a discount of course um and it's definitely something you want to get to i'm going to commit to using the hickox method um in conjunction with a little bit of smith method um just because that's just what I've been conditioned to do anywho but um, I'm going to you know definitely go Hickox for the long haul and uh, you know just have a good time man uh, so anyway Trinity Kennels guys check out Josh down there and, and I'll have him on to talk a little bit more about his um, experience in, in the in the Hickox philosophy uh, from his standpoint and his point of view Um so also guys I want to definitely say something about my good old new sponsor AYA uh, Fine Guns so I had a chance to take the gun out and shoot it oh my guys it's custom fitted to me Um, I've never had anything like this a 410 I haven't shot it at any um, any birds just yet I just kind of you know went and, and test fired it and things like that um, just you know um, just to see kind of what it what it felt like and you know and just in, in checking patterning and, and things like that um, it feels like a wand man like it, it's it's really light it's a it's it, there's a reason why there are I, like I understand the tiered system in guns now like that much more um 
that is it's a tailor-made gun I, I'm, I'm speechless because I've never shot anything like it um, it doesn't feel too light it doesn't feel too heavy it just feels right in my hands um, and even shouldering it so you know I'm, I'm excited to take to I'm going to actually just commit to using that for the rest of the season um, to get to know and learn that gun um, cause I've, I've got quite a few hunts to go I'm actually going to take it down with me this weekend with Craig so um, AYA I just want to say a special thank you and it is definitely guys if you're looking for guns that are not going to be 60, 70, 80 thousand dollars I mean AYA can produce that sure but my gun my number four um, is def my number 453 is actually what it is it's a very very reasonably priced gun premier gun i mean you're, you're gonna pay a few thousand dollars but i you know i think it's it's attainable and doable um and it's a very it's an heirloom piece man this is something that i honestly had dreamed about having um a, a long time ago so thank you aya for this wonderful wonderful work of art and um you know to everybody else my affiliates dakota 283 um that kennel matter of fact i'm gonna tell you something about dakota 283 real quick real quick um so i was 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 forgetful and irresponsible and and did was doing something on the out you know doing something on, on the bed of my car with the uh with the um the dakota uh, kennels and I think I might have been taking a picture or something like that um, and I left my dine and dash uh, system I left it on the, the tailgate of the truck no dogs were in there they were in their their kennel kennels out back and so uh, I needed to go somewhere so I got in my truck didn't pull the tailgate open um, I, didn't, I didn't I didn't shut it I'm sorry I did not shut the tailgate and uh, I left the dine and dash I think it's a dash 3.5 i left it on the the, the the tailgate open so i'm driving 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 and i hear it fall off and shortly thereafter it bounces 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 and stops They're like you know stop short of another car it was we're in my neighborhood is we're not going like terribly fast but you know it falls off the back or whatever and hit and the car just plows through it and they stop and it, it spooked everybody um and i and i i then apologized and things like that but uh the thing was the thing didn't crack like as hard as it got hit it did not crack and that really spoke volumes to me that day i was like wow okay um huh that would like interesting okay like it it, it took a, it took a hit and i fully expected it to be cracked but anywho um i just thought that that impact on a a watering system was was really cool so anyway guys like i said i uh i'm re i was really impressed by that um so lion country supply guys garmin check out the new 200 i guys i know y'all have been hearing it everywhere and I, I eventually want to probably get my hands on it um but i'm a big you know i'm still in in pro 550 plus world and, and training collar world so anyway guys 
Uh, thank y'all for tuning into the Gundog Notebook podcast. And, you know, here's a little bit more on, on the episode, guys. Take care. Welcome back to another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast, guys. Um, how can I say it? How can I say it? I'm I'm extremely excited to announce that there's another member on the team. Uh, little Miss Ann. Um, I I got a new dog, guys. Uh, a a a female pointer that I am just absolutely one thousand percent thrilled. Uh, to have as a part of my um, my lineup, um, and, I, and I'll and I'll have to tell you guys the uh, the story of how I got her um, later on in the episode. Um, if y'all would be so kind as to wait, because there's a lot of good stuff, um, and I wanted to to do a little recap. And and honestly, this. Uh, it, I got her after long, actually long after I uh, recorded this episode. I'm actually a little bit behind in uh, in, in putting up episodes. But that being said, I got an extra one coming uh, for you guys with uh, Josh Ryder right after this one. So you guys should be getting to uh, this week is and uh, and and they're both good. They're they're kind of recap episodes. Just uh, you know, I've been doing a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing a whole lot and uh, I because I've been doing a lot I needed another dog um, so I, I went on the hunt um, more I guess more quietly than I probably normally am um, but the excellent thing about this particular dog so her name is um, the her, her pedigree name is Cheyenne De La Trinité um, Cheyenne of the Trinity that she'd be my third dog the whole religious reference to the Trinity um, for me is real important bird dogs is very spiritual um, so there's a lot of religious connotation in there in addition to um, a shout out to Josh Ryder of Trinity Kennels um, we had a, a really fun day of training and he was with me when I got her he was able he was actually the catalyst to getting me connected to George Hickox, who then got me connected um, to the other folks where I got her from, to Cliff uh, Waldrip uh, down at uh, Love Ridge Plantation. So um, they are wonderful dogs. I mean, she's a wonderful dog. Um, the thing about her is, is, and it has nothing to do with the, with, with the way that they worked or anything. So she's two months shy of, of, of Vegas in terms of age. And uh, so she's 21 months old. And um, I think she might've had a little bit of too much pressure just early on, or, or maybe was just a late bloomer or, or something like that. Um, but when I got her, you know, Cliff was, was, was really cool about her. I mean, she, he says she's got a heck of a pedigree and she's a beautiful dog, which she is. Um, and she's all white. She looked like Reagan's white and I all white with just orange uh flakes on her ears. Uh no 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 ticking or anything like that on her body. But anyway, so he said she just wouldn't run, you know, for him. Um I was like, okay. And something in my gut told me something just just felt good about the dog. Her name is Ann. Um, and so I wanted to be able to keep that name in there because the word the name Ann is 
special in my family also. Um, but I felt good about her. Like I looked at her. She just, I liked her spirit. Um, I checked her feet, checked her teeth, everything, you know, look, you know, checked out, um, you know, paws were tight, you know, teeth were in line. Um, so nothing confirmationally different because again, I've decided that I do want to breed Vegas, uh, down the line and this will be the start of Cheyenne kennels for me. Um, I'm just building on a, a passion project that's going to take a long time, but you know, this is, I feel like I have a good start. So, um, I just think, you know, I, I, I think I can pull out of her what, you know, she has available based on her pedigree and genetics. Um, she just, you know, for one reason or another, she just didn't work out for them. Um, and that, and that doesn't discount her. I'm actually really excited because of, because I do have the opportunity to pull that out and pull it out. Um, I already have, uh, Josh was with me to, the, the day we got her within an hour, we had her ranging from about 175 to, you know, about 200 something yards plus we ran her with, uh, with the other dogs that we brought down to uh, South Georgia to train on and, and try to put on wild birds. Then uh, I ran her with Vegas down there too. And Vegas carried her out as well. Well, I, um, I also ran her uh, yesterday at my buddy Shane Drake's uh, place. And <laughs> that dog there surprised me. We were talking, Shane and I were sitting at a tailgate. We were talking and uh, I had the 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 Garmin uh, on, and 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 I just happened to look down out of the corner of my eye, and she was three hundred some yards out, and carrying. Next thing we know, we Shane and I just stopped talking. We were like, oh, four hundred some yards out, you know, five hundred. Just I mean, just way out and hunting. I mean, like you know, looking pretty, you know, four or 500 something yards out ranging. So my, my, and, and I think, you know, Josh and I talked about this before. I think that has to do with, I'm just, I'm just letting her be a dog right now. I'm not putting any kind of correction on her, any kind of anything. And we did get into a covey of wild birds at, uh, uh early on when we started training Shane and I did. And, uh, Vegas actually found it. She backed him like a champ. I mean, I'll, and I'll upload all of that to my YouTube channel. I, I Shane was able to catch a video after the flush, but um, I'll upload it to my YouTube channel um, pretty soon. But I, uh, I like her, man. I, I like her and just a little bit on her pedigree. Um, you know, I, I, I'd love to tell you guys about that. So, um, until I get her field dog stud book paperwork in, um, my buddy Jan Shaw, who I'm gonna have on the podcast, um, who who's a big time you know pedigree expert and things like that. I mean, is a system that can help me pull, you know, uh, my five my dog's five generation pedigree. So I actually have that um, with the COIs and things like that. COI something we're gonna get into with Josh Ryder um, pretty soon as well. Well, she uh, on the top side on her on 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 the on the sire side, she is sired by champion uh, Miller's blind sider, and on the bottom side on 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 the dam side, she's Riverton's fun seeking Annie. So on the blind sider side, we got champion irresistible in there. Go back one more generation, you got champion uh, Riverton's fun seeking scooter. You got another one. 
2009 national champion Lester Snow Watch in there. Then go another generation back there. We got national champion Fun Seekers Rebel, champ, uh, uh, champion Riverdens Black Eyed Pete, champion Just Wait, champions Miller's Dateline, champions White Powder Pete. Um, and then I'm going to go back one more time. Goes back to, um, it, it, it goes back to basically what I'm trying to get to is Miller Silver Bullet. Um, which is something I was actually very thrilled about to have uh, in my in my my kennel. You know, this is the start of my kennel, um, and that's just that's on her dad's side. You know, on her mom's side, um, you know, she's got champions every generation back as well. Again, going back to Silver Bullet, she goes back to Bar Shoe Brute. Um, she goes back to um, 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 crap. Uh yeah, Garson. <laughs> I'm trying to say too many things at once. Go boy shadow is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I was trying to say too many things at once. So I kind of like pedigree hounded that one, but I say all of that to say I'm really excited about the bloodline. All of these um dogs, they they represent power to me. You know, not at power in the sense of like a motor. Like I am. I was really looking for a dog with, with some grit and a motor. And I feel like that's what this is going to bring. And she's already starting to show that um, as well. I'm excited about her. Um, I've always wanted like a white, white dog though, too, like a white, white pointer. And I got, she's, she's nice looking. She's real elegant. She holds her, holds her head up high, like just standing there. She, I suppose she's got a really nice tail on her. Um, so yeah, man, that's I'm I'm really looking forward to her. Um, you know, she she's green broke. I mean, she knows to stand through birds. We flushed. She didn't move an inch. Um, so I think I got something good. I, I definitely think I got something good. Um, and then of course I still got that setter pup coming from uh, Alder Fork English Setters um, in 2021. So that is one thing, guys. And 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 I I just want to. Go over a couple of more things, man. I, I know it's been a minute, and it, and it uh, seems like it's been a minute. But, you know, some more stuff just with Minority Outdoor uh, Alliance. I just wanted to give a special thank you, man, to everybody that donated to um, George Ramirez Upland Jitsu's um, art auction that went to um, that went to Minority Outdoor Alliance initiatives and things like that. Um and specifically to George Ramirez, I mean, like, really, thank you. Um, it takes a village, man. And, I, and and with my nonprofit, I'm starting to see that so many people want so many similar, just, you know, really great things for our community and are willing to work together to collaborate on ideas to, to see it through. Um, so that's a, a thank you to, to George Ramirez recently for that. Um Thanks to the writers, guys. I got some more literature coming down the pipeline that I'm just working around to, to editing. Um, I'm a little bit backed up with work right now, um, so I will catch up. and And I've got um, some more uh, some more authors to put up on the website um, on the MinorityOutdoorAlliance.org website. That is, um, and then I got the scholarship. Josh Ryder has been just so integral with 
Trinity Retons. I mean, just putting that together and and staying on top of things, helping helping me really see this particular dream come through, um, and and getting a, a minority kid into the uplands free of charge. You know, like free of charge with all the direction in the world. I mean, I I and and everybody that has expressed gratitude and, and, and appreciation for the scholarship initiative. Thank you for that as well. But guys, we're trying to make this happen. Um, and it, it really does happen with an alliance, you know, that's what it's, that's what it's here for. So with minority outdoor Alliance, um, we are still building, we are still chopping away. Um, we always appreciate donations to the organization. Um, We've got a few initiatives, uh, you know, on uh, in motion, um, and and twenty twenty one is going to be a huge year, man. I just looking at what we have in motion right now. Um, between the scholarship, we've got a few film opportunities and things like that coming up for for MOA, um, and just the amount of support that has come with it. I know next year is going to be an even bigger year and a, and a more prosperous year for the, for, for the organization. Um, and in thanks, when I talk about people that have also helped along the way, I just want to also just be specific about thanking our partners. Um, Theodore Roosevelt conservation partnership with Fosberg. Um, <laughs> you talking about somebody does this really, helped me out and, 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 and really kind of shaped my, my mindset about what a nonprofit is and, and how it runs with Fosberg has really, really, uh, been crucial and integral to that. Um, Orvis, Reed Wright and Julia Zima, um, for working so closely and, and, and helping see these initiatives through and, and really being, you know, one of the major companies and in influencing, uh, companies in our community that chose to take a stand and, and stand right next to minority outdoor Alliance and partner, uh, BHA backcountry hunters and anglers. Um, I've gotten a, a good amount of writing done for the magazine and, and land Tawny and, and, and Zach, you know, though that those are my folks, man. So I wanted to thank BHA, um, Northwoods collective and, and, and project upland for also assisting in the development of the platform. Um, Josh Ryder from Trinity Bretons. I mean, that's my scholarship partner right there. Um, you know, the S Kent Rockwell foundation, you know, and uh, Chris Rockwell is, has really become a friend of mine and we've, we've shared some laughs and I'm waiting to see Chris fall out of, uh, the duck boat like he just did. So, you know, Chris, I just exposed you if you heard that one, buddy. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to get out and hunt with these guys and really share more ideas on, on unifying and, and really unifying our community, our, our bird dog and upland community. Um, so that's, that's what that is, man. Um, with Onyx Hunt, guys, now is really the time to test out those features. I've, I'm actually going to a new spot this weekend um, with Craig Banger. And I'm, I'm Onyx scouting it right now with that 3D feature. I kind of want to know what it is that I'm 
looking for. If you have not, guys, please use my promo code. Go ahead and use it. Um, and just 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 look for some more projects with the Gundog Notebook and Onyx down the pipeline as well. I don't really want to want to spill the beans all the way yet, but I do like teasing, you know, the uh, the the idea because I'm just that kind of person. But um, Onyx and I have some things that we're working on down the pipeline that I think would be, you know, really, really, really cool for the community. Um, and, I, and, and I think and I, I know they agree as well. Um, cable gangs, guys, cable gangs, cable games, cable. You know, when I thought I had a system that worked, um, I didn't <laughs> put it that way. Like, I just didn't. Um, I was nailing a bunch of stakeouts in the ground, doing this, doing that, lifting it up, lifting it up. Like, I, I literally use my cable gang every day. It's staked into the ground anyway, just so when I, you know, trying to just being real about it, trying to keep the work life balance thing, you know, on track, you know, two kids got to get up in the morning. <clears throat> My teacher um, got three dogs now, you know, still living, you know, suburban Atlanta or out on the outskirts, but still, um, that system, the cable gang system, I have a, well, I have, I've, I've got a three dog unit and I've got a two dog unit. Um, I really like the two dog unit um, because it's simpler. Um, it, well, no, it's not really simpler. It's just, it, it, it was, it's more compact. I guess it's just a little shorter. Both of them are good. Let me stop tripping. <laughs> I don't really like either one more than the other. Both of them are really good. I just honestly had the two dog unit staked out and I, I I don't need to pick it back up because on each end you have an extra, you know, connector as well. So it can really suit four dogs is what I'm saying. So I don't like either or better. I'm just being lazy and haven't taken the other one up. Um, so when I do get my dogs, my, my, my pup and stuff like that, I'm probably still not going to take it up. I just connect him to the other side. Um, and it works just well. I mean, just fine. Um, so yeah, guys, check out cable gangs. Brennan Landry has just really been working, working hard on developing solutions for us bird dog guys. And that was one that was pretty crucial. Um, so I needed to say that because I didn't realize how much more efficient my mornings are by just setting my dog on the cable gang and, you know, do everything I need to do, toss, you know, feed him, do whatever he need to do, let him poop, scoop it up, toss it somewhere. Like I don't really lose, I don't lose a beat. Um, so yeah, you know, and, and, and the other thing, man, um, the black belt bounty book, if you guys, uh, if you guys need a, a, a really nice gift, like something, like something very, very unique, something that very likely nobody else has. Um, and even if they do, is anybody that does have it, it's just really, really, really quality. Go to alabamablackbeltadventures.org and go buy the Black Belt Bounty book. Like I'm gonna, and I'm gonna have the folks. Oh, and her name is Pam. 
I'm going to have her on um, also soon. We're just trying to coordinate the schedule. Um, but I am, I'm going to have her on to talk about um, the making of the book and, and, and the story behind it. But basically, um, as it's described, this new literary work of art celebrates the rich traditions of hunting and fishing that are so deeply embedded in the lives of those who are fortunate to call Alabama's Black Belt home. Its captivating cover will draw you into pages filled with striking images from some of today's most gifted wildlife photographers and artists, and their visual offerings are perfectly counterbalanced by words from an impressive bevy of skilled, award-winning writers and recipes from some of Alabama's nationally recognized celebrity chefs. As an exquisitely produced coffee table book, it's a treasure no devotee of the natural world, no serious sportsman, and no connoisseur of stunning visual art and stirring words will want to be without. It is a volume that will bring distinction to the shelves and tables of any bibliophile and lover of Alabama heartland and who enjoys sporting adventures and these bountiful wonders of sedge grass fields and uh, sprawling prairies, our woodlands and waterways. So that is the, the description as it's on the website, but I think the most in, important piece of that um, is is where they say it is a volume that will bring distinction to the shelves and tables of any bibliophile lover of Alabama heartland who enjoys sporting adventures in these bount- bountiful wonders, sedgegrass fields and sprawling prairies, our wonderful our woodlands and waterways. Like it is a it's it's a level up book, guys. It it really is. Um, if you you know if you enjoy you know hunters and gatherers. Uh, traditions, rights, pairs. These are the chapters. The, the the land, land and water, conservation partners, practices, field trial history, champion trainers and dogs, photographic essays, uh, turkey rituals, fishing for bass, bass, crappy catfish, faces of the black belt, sustainable living, wild game recipes from celebrity chefs, signature dishes from hunting lodges. So that those are the chapters. Um, go to alabamablackbeltadventures.org and make sure you get it. Um, yeah, so it, <laughs> I, I, I just really, I really enjoyed the book when I, uh, when I saw it and the matter of fact, the, the person who told me about it was Billy Morton. So make sure you get that. That's an excellent, excellent Christmas gift. If you haven't, um, gotten it yet or haven't, haven't figured out what to get. All right. So. With all that being said, guys, I think I have, you know, for the most part, talked your head off. I think so. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and get to the rest of the episode Um, with the five guys, man. We're recapping. uh, We're recapping the opening season of uh, Georgia Quail, you know, uh, the the Georgia Quail opener. And uh, we had a good time. We had a a real good time. And. yeah man these guys are just silly that's that's the easy way of saying it anyway enjoy the episode and 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 look forward to another one shortly after this one all right guys thanks checking connection you are now live we are all live gentlemen on the gun dog notebook podcast okay so now that we are like 
I'm waiting on some folks to come in. We are going to let this junk populate. We've got a few people rolling in here. And while we rolling, I want to just introduce everybody because um, actually, I've never been a weird dude that like comes up with group names, but I think I just named our group is Five Guys, bro. Can this be a hunting collective? (laughs) (laughs) Burger and fry collective. Okay, so we are we are five guys, and it was and uh, all right. So now what happened was, and 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 Henry and Sam, y'all will catch the drift of this later. But the the day that we went out, um, the day that we went out hunting, that the the one and only day that we went out hunting, um, we uh, had on Hawaiian shirts. Shane had his. Y'all just missed it. Well, initially the group was like the Hawaiian shirt boys or something whack like that. Um, and then we ended up meeting y'all too. <laughs> so now we just five guys, bro. Burgers and fries. Threw, threw a little wrench in the Hawaii five. <laughs> I, I don't know about chain and, 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 and Craig, but I'm going to keep the Hawaiian shirt thing, man. So it, it was comfy. Yeah. <laughs> I was done. Um, hunting in a Hawaiian shirt, um, hunting in a Hawaiian shirt was, you know, it was better than like Under Armour. (laughs) (laughs) So it was was breezy. You had to, you had to have a jacket on that morning for a minute though. Well, you know, I, uh, I am. And all while we do magic with technology, I want to say a couple of things uh, about the five guys in the podcast that we have going on. Um, so first and foremost, welcome back to the Gundog Notebook podcast. We got to do the whole script thing and, and, and be cool about it. We got Shane Drake, who Shane, we've been hunting for a long time, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> years now. I think Shane and I have been hunting for four years together now. Okay. So we got Shane. Um, we got Mr. Henry Norman, uh, guide at Quail Ridge. What's going on, Henry? Not much. Not much. We're uh, glad to be here. Uh, had fun. We hunted together for the first time. That was our first time hunting together. So that was good to meet you guys. Good to make make uh, all those connections. And we actually have hunted with Craig again since then. So that was fun, too. Yep. 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 Um, so, and I saw y'all snuck out there with Craig too, man. Y'all some thieves. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> y'all are some thieves. Well, glad to have you brother. And, uh, we got Craig banger on the line. Mr. Craig, we have been doing this. Uh, we done hunted a few times now. Real Couple quick. times. Um, so what is, we hunted what? Two, two, three times together. Mm-hmm. Now? Three. Yeah. Three. So I guess the first one was probably more of a training day than anything, but we did, um, you know, we did get that done uh, together. So hold on, tune in to YouTube live. All right. I'm going to make that announcement um, as well. But the last gentleman that I have on here is Mr. Sam Baker. What's going on, Sam? Not much. Just glad to be here. Okay. Okay. Uh, Busy weeks. Getting busier. Hopefully, it'll tail off soon. I was gonna say, um, y'all got a busy week. You and Henry work together, right? 
Yeah. Okay. Y'all, y'all gonna have to sometimes. talk about that sometimes, but y'all got to talk about that <laughs> guide experience. Um, now that we got that out the way, we had a hot tip of the day. <laughs> and I just want to get that up. We had a hot tip of the day. So we are going to, all five of us, the, the, the five guys, the burgers and fries guys, um, we are going to get a little bit into, not a little bit, a lot of bit into um, our hunt, like the, the wild bird hunt we went down in, in South Georgia. Um, the nicest that we will be, <laughs> we don't give away locations, but, you know, we'll tell you how the experience was. And uh, I want to do some introspective kind of stuff, man. Like, I, I know you guys had some hot tips of the day um, and some insights. And Sam, you really opened up and, and revealed some stuff in our little text message thread that I want to talk about um, as well. But the first hot tip of the day came from Mr. Bangett himself and you know, um, there's a way to stay married and there's a way not to stay married. And Craig, <laughs> I think you, I love the idea. First of all, I, I absolutely love the idea. Um, I'm just not quite sure how that works with being married, but you, I'm gonna let you say that one. So. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's going to work at all for any of us. Um, but, uh, first tip of the day, quit your job. Uh, live out of your truck and uh, just park right there in the middle of public land and learn it, <laughs> learn it. Yeah. You know, just, just, just go ahead, learn the whole place and you're there all the time. And you can really say living like that um, is a full-time job. Now I have a single gentleman that is a very near and dear friend um, to me, Mr. Joe Plody on here that, actually has a, 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 a valid like reason for your, your thought process, Craig. Now what Joe said, Plody says being single um, is better just because you don't have anyone to approve your gun and dog purchases. So, you know, I'm just glad my wife is in the other room. <laughs> I'm going to just let y'all add that one. So, Mm. You know, I'm going to let y'all have that one. But, Craig, you know, the the logic is there. Yeah, that's not the smarts. I, I don't know. I, if I may, okay. I would say my wife has probably, through her resistance to some dogs, I have now ended up with probably better dogs because I just didn't get – I didn't jump at the first ones that came available. So now I've been able to wait and be a little more patient and get better dogs. Talk about that. What you mean? Cause you, you pull one of them dogs out that I was really, really, really impressed with. And if I wasn't, uh, a- that, what, that's the opposite of my, uh, <laughs> point. <laughs> because it was the first dog available, uh, to, when I got the first chance to get a dog, I got I picked up my dog Purdy, and she is a half English setter, half Vishla or German short hair or something. Talk about what half of the English setter she is. Talk about that. So 
she's supposed to be like the English setter she came out of is a shadow oak bow setter. So she's got like pedigree on that side for days. The other side, you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But I mean, that dog, I mean, my wife, I was like, I'm going to get this dog. It's free because drop dogs are free. That's hot tip. Hot tip one. You want to get into this? Get a drop dog because they free. <laughs> People can't funny. sell them. Can confirm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so drop dogs are free. If you want to get into it, get get a get a get a drop. And you can get a good drop. I'm just saying. I've heard I've I have heard from guides. It's it's all interesting because we all, you know, guide in some way, form or fashion on this on this show. Um, all five of us. Um I have heard from a lot of guides that droppers were the way to go. I've heard from a, a couple of them actually. Um, and it's a crap shoot though. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely, it's a crapshoot in terms of um, just being able to uh, to guarantee, you know, the outcomes for sure. Heck yeah, it's a crapshoot. Yeah, but for sure. Um, but I will say the one that you got. <laughs> wasn't all yeah, that <laughs> no no she's she's actually fantastic and I love her and not just because she's my dog I mean I would I mean the first thing you want to have a dog is when you meet new people mm-hmm. uh, is uh, for your dog not to embarrass you just right out right. <laughs> of the gate and so she made she makes checkbox number one, but I mean she does a little even a little more than that, right? And uh, she she does everything I need her to do. And then the more I hunt wild birds uh, on public land, uh, she's adapting to that game just as well. So I mean, really? I will say though, I mean I feel like I got. I won't say lucky because I knew, I knew where she was coming from. Right. It wasn't, I didn't just like search the newspapers or Craigslist or go to the pound and adopt a dog. I mean, this dog came from a working plantation. So there's a little bit of luck, a little bit of skill. I mean, man, that's, it's tough. I would, I would say if you're like in the game for one, Mm -hmm. it's a good option. But then on this, I, I recommend to people all the time to get the best genetics they can afford. Right. Well, sometimes that's zero. And well, when I got Purdy, when I got Purdy, it was zero. <laughs> that was the best genetics I could afford. I would I would add real quick that probably my best dog I've ever had uh, was a Visla GSP mix, okay. and that that's him right there. I don't know the maybe a little glare on it, but there you go. Yeah. Okay. So I, um, I, there's a lot of reasons for people to get purebreds like there are there and for a lot of good reasons, but it's interesting to me though, the merit of, you know, crossing because a lot of that dropper stuff or a lot of just mixed anything, a lot of that stuff was, you know, very, very, very intentional, um, it was very intentional and very, uh, you know, sought after, you know, after a while folks were like, Oh, you know, so much so that, 
um, so much so that they had it in American feel. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Like there was a whole, there was a whole section for droppers in American field. So like there had to be something to it, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, in my case, I got, I got a setter with short hair. Uh She is confirmationally setter. I would say she's got that, a setter face, a setter build, but she's got short hair. So I don't have any of the long hair maintenance issues Right. Like beggar lice and sand spurs and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I could see if you were, you know, trying to line something up. Yeah, get you a setter with short hair. But. Right. Well, uh, but these aren't. Uh, again, I want to stress that th- this wasn't like a backyard breeding, right? Uh, I mean, Th- these weren't like left out dogs. It was a probably in a dog box. Somebody didn't realize somebody was in heat and put two dogs together and Bo was sitting in a box with some dog there. And yeah, you know, I mean, dogs will do what dogs will do. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh. Unless you want them to, <laughs> that is right. Exactly. Now, the moment that you get to talking about them, or you want them to, um, you'll break. You'll break ten rules, ten federal rules, trying to exactly. federal laws, trying to exactly. Get them to- so, I mean, that there is, uh, you know, it's it's <laughs> it's weird, man. But I, you know, I really want to. Um, I want to get into that a little bit more because another thing that I thought was particularly um, unique, particularly about y'all, I mean, one thing that I thought was cool was the fact that y'all are guides, um, hunt guides down in Thomasville, you know, and that means it's like it, 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 it has a little bit of different tone to it. You know what I'm trying to say? Like I can imagine that's probably a little bit more pressure down there. Uh, in, in a way, but I mean, we, I just, I really don't uh, worry too much about other, other plantations and stuff. I just, I work my dogs to do what I need them to do. And, yeah. and they're, they're, they're good at what they're good at what I need them to do. And, and, you know, they may not be up to snuff for like a field trial say, or, but do you need that though? Is the is the thing? Oh, well, that's that's, no. that's the point. I'm, yeah. I'm not really involved in in you know NAVDA or, or uh, any any uh, any competitions or or, uh, or stuff like that. But you know, I, I take people hunting and we have a great time. My dogs do great. I enjoy watching them, and they the hunters enjoy watching them. So it's it's all all nice for me. I mean, right? You know, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, our dogs get. I mean. I would say in the thousands of reps of doing the thing that they do. Right. That thing is not doing what an American field gun dog does. It's closer to what maybe a Nastra dog would do. Mm-hmm. But that's about the closest. I, but it's not even like I could take my dogs to Nastra and rack up because <clears throat> When you're guiding, I mean, I think uh, you talked to Josh Broder about this. Yep. That you, I I'm mean, actually hunting with him this weekend. Yeah, some, some things uh, 
some training things go by the wayside, you sacrifice those for the experience of the guest and the efficiency of the the day and the hunt. Mm -hmm. Oh, I had that uh, happen this weekend or last weekend to me, but go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. We'll get that later. No, no, it's it's fine. And you know, you just got to do the best you can and go through it because no guest wants to, (laughs) I mean, you can't have a guest and be like, okay, you guys hold up while, I make these corrections mm-hmm. or, you know, so yeah. it's just, and that, that means sometimes like uh Purdy, for instance, I got her before I got my English cocker. Mm-hmm. And so uh Purdy will flush on a whistle. She'll point and hold. And when I release her, she'll flush and she'll retrieve. I noticed yeah. that you were, you actually told her to do it once when we were out there. Yeah. Cause I mean, that's the thing. If things get locked up, you know, if you're trying to, if you're in a situation like we were down, do you want to get into the situations we were in? Yeah. Now? Yeah. Yeah. So we were down in a, in a thick Creek bottom, mm-hmm. just like a thick drainage. Um, and we were all kind of set up safely where, where we could shoot. We didn't have a flushing dog with us, but the dog Vegas locked up doing what Vegas does. Purdy backed in there doing what Purdy does, but we were all in a safe area to shoot. So I'm not going to go up there and kick a bird from out underneath a log in front of four guns. Right. So yeah, blow the whistle, get the bird out. Right. Well, and, and that, and that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's funny. We didn't have, I didn't want to bring Ruger out. I just thought it was just too dang hot, you know, to be trying to run him at that day. Um, but in a situation like that where I, I can't bring my lab out, um, that makes a lot of sense to have the dog be able to do it. So my, my last thing I want to, you know, throw a couple of hopefully baseballs at Shane and, and, and Craig too, but when you when you guys were down there, did y'all like go through? Henry, you said something kind of interesting. Your dog hunts for you; you enjoy it, and 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 so on and so forth. And Sam, you know, you you did mention that you do have to sacrifice a little bit of training, you know, for the experience of the guests. And I think that's important to to keep that in mind when you're guiding. The dogs don't need to be trial dogs. Um, actually, I was talking to uh, Steeple Bell. Uh, you know, he's you know, big time bird dog historian. Um, that's really helped me out a lot. And uh, I was talking to him right before we got onto this call. And um, I was telling him that I'm looking for another, um, a pointer female like Ashley and I'm being on my best behavior now, but Ashley is cool with me getting a pointer female um, in addition to, to breed to Vegas in addition to um that setter that I have coming prospectively in mm, spring. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's why I say I'm trying to be on my best behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have the potential for two dogs. And I was telling him like, look, um, George Hickox and I were, he, you know, he's down y'all's way too. We were chatting and I asked him, I said, well, look, man, I'm looking for, you know, that. And I'm looking for a dog preferably in the age range of six months to a year and a pointer. And he was like, all right, well, I can check it out. Well, I was talking to Steeple and stuff and I mentioned that whole conversation and I told him, and I was like, you know, I need all age field trial blood 
to complement what Vegas has. Cause I personally don't feel like Vegas has the wheels that I want them to have. Like yeah. I, I would, he, hell Craig and Shane were with us. He touched like 500 something yards that day. But, um, and he, I mean, and he got out there, but he'll consistently hang around 260 to 300, something like that consistently. Well, the thing about that line and that bloodline, we get on all the specifics and all of that kind of stuff, but I want to put a little bit more grit into what I have for the sake of guiding. And I can guide with Vegas, you know, a half a day's hunting. He's, he's cool. But I'm trying to put a little bit more steam in it. So that's the long way of me asking, you know, kind of telling you my situation and asking you guys like, what are you looking for in a guide dog? And did y'all did y'all go about following somebody's training method or something? <coughs> Sam, you want you want to start? <laughs> or or uh, you go ahead. Is this, is this is this directed at me and Sam, or is this more? Yeah, Craig? you and Sam, and then and then we're gonna bring Craig and uh, Shane in. Okay, I'll uh okay. Um, as far as the training, like how I I got into training dogs. Um, so I, I work at Quail Ridge. It's, it's a family owned, um, plantation and, and, um, let's see. So my granddad started it in 1969. So we're in our 51st season. Right. So my dad, uh, my dad guided there and now I'm, I'm guiding there. And, um, so I've learned directly from my dad, a few pointers from my granddad. I kind of, kind of skipped a generation as far as I mean, I, I didn't learn anything directly from my grandfather, really, as far as uh, training. Now, did they have a specific breed that they chose? Or pointers, probably. You know, it was more kind of the traditional stuff. You know, right. back in the, uh, the heyday of quail hunting down here, it was definitely a lot of English pointers, a lot of setters, a uh, few Britneys here and there. But as far as uh, that, that was pretty much it until about 20 years ago, my dad got into uh, Vislas. Okay. And I think he was one of the first people, I mean, there were a few, I'm sure there were other people uh, using them back then, but he was one of the first people down here to use them uh, for quail. Okay. That that I know of, I'm sure there were some more around, but uh, so that's kind of some, and honestly, that would, that would be my breed of choice talking about what, what I want is in a, in a bird dog or in a guide dog, I guess. Really? I just love the, how, personable they are and and just how willing they are to re- make retrieves especially the females mm-hmm. and they're, they're just a dog that seems to can they can do it all and they they range well they're athletic they can go all day they're i would say by far that would be my my favorite breed and i'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, a female coming in just a couple weeks so okay. i'll have a new puppy in the house too got a little, little visa thing going on in there yeah. oh yeah Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I don't know if I looked for like, even now, I don't know if I'm, I look for like guiding specific stuff. What Henry touched on one thing, like just any dog that's going to work on a plantation has to be like really well, uh, socialized Mm -hmm. with people. Um, because they're going to be, you can't have, you know, people have these dogs that like, Oh, well he'll, he'll warm up to you. No. He'll get to know you can't, I mean, you're 
taking new people every day. So the dog just either has to be so focused on work that he doesn't care mm-hmm. or very personable. And I, I think uh, Quail Ridge, my dogs and the dogs that they have in their kennel are really loving dogs, man. I think people really dig that the the dogs will kind of check in with you and want a little right. scratch behind their ears and then get back to work. Right. Uh, yeah. I, the other thing too is like what I look for in a guide dog is small. I want a small <laughs> dog because you're, you're carrying a string of six dogs mm-hmm. in and out of dog boxes. You're just – when I say handling dogs, I don't mean giving directions. I mean like you're physically handling dogs, holding collars, loading them up into boxes, dogs that don't want to go into boxes. They want to hunt and they need to take a break. And, you know, so a small dog is easier on the back. Um, Hot tip. Yeah. Hot tip. Number three. A 60 to 70 pound dog is rough on your back. And they're the ones who aren't going to jump neatly into the box when you ask them to. Um, and then the other thing, I mean, obviously just like biddable, you right. can't have. So the way plantations work is you're on, we call them courses. I think some places call them fields, mm-hmm. you know, you're on about two, Quail Ridge, I mean, you could be anywhere between two and 400 acres, depending on where you are. It's like kind of your place to hunt. Well, if you have a dog that, A, won't come here when you say here, it's not okay. You can't just put a GPS collar on him and it'd be okay and he find birds in the next county because you can't hunt over there. That's some Henry's hunting over there with guests. Right. And so it's just a safety thing. You have to have a dog that uh, will come, come back to you. But besides that, I mean, you know, that they get the rep. That's the cool thing about dogs that guide is they get the reps in. They get, they see birds, see birds every day, see birds, get the reps, get the reps. And they're good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so now Shane and Craig <laughs> to bring y'all in. <laughs> Welcome back. Um oh, we're here. So what what about that day when we dissect the 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 entire uh the entire hunt? What about that day were y'all looking for individually out of both of y'all's dogs? Uh let's go with Shane first. Well, I guess first and foremost, you know, size is a pretty big running dog. So, I mean, that's not ever anything I'm worried about. Um, steadiness, you know, that's something we've always, there's always that. Um, so that's really the biggest thing for me, you know. Um, just stay, 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 you know. Keep it, you know, don't, don't take that step. Um, so... That's really coming in. That's really the biggest thing for me. Is, you know, but it's always, it's always, you know, steadiness. Mm-hmm. Okay. 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 Um, now was, this is my thing with, 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 with uh, my question for you, Shane, and a lot of folks down here, um, 
I guess there's this, would y'all agree that there's this like weird mythology about hunting down here in Georgia? Mm, yeah, there's something about being in the pines, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's so different. It's not, it's not the grouse woods. It's not the prairie of Nebraska. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just different. That's why people pay to come here to do it. <sighs> Which you, you get one more beer in me. I'm, I'll, I'll go on to my whole diatribe about northern tourism in the south and blah 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 blah. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> but I mean, we get we get a lot of. I mean, there's people who have crazy birds in on the Gulf Coast of Texas. Yeah. It doesn't look too, too different from where we are down here. Cause I mean, we're only an hour and a half from the Gulf of Mexico mm-hmm. where I'm at mm-hmm. and they'll still come over here to hunt because it's South Georgia quail hunting. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. So I, I, I wanted to point that out. It's like a brand. Yeah, I think it is, man. I th- have we been branded? Is that what it is? Have we been branded y'all? Oh, so I think Craig, it's sort of the regional thing you get known for, you know. I think you know the big commercial, like you're talking about the farming and the big commercialization of it, and then you know through however you know marketing works and word spreads, you know. Yeah, garden and gun. <laughs> Don't get me on a soapbox. We can talk about. Garden Gun. Sorry if they're a sponsor, Durrell. No, they're not. I enjoy their magazine, and I found Neil in Garden Gun. Save that thought. We're going to get on Garden Gun. I want to dis- – okay, so now that's a whole other thing that I want to do. But, Craig, what, what, what is it, man? Like, first of all, I want to know what you were looking for out of Hampton that day. But what, what is it about being from down here, man? Like, you up in Athens, and you make that drive literally every other day. So what what is it, Craig? What is it about being from down here? And, and talk about what you were looking for that day. Um, I, well, it is y'all talking about all this uh, people coming and hunting and stuff and walking through your nice fields and us five. We're in the brambles getting cut up. That's what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brian. That, that and and there's a mic drop right there. That's that's what we call, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, a mic drop moment. <laughs> That's, that's why we're that's why we're doing it on our days off. <laughs> yeah, it, I, I guess we're sick for it. But um, but what I was looking for out of Hampton that day was uh, finding birds. Um, you know Hampton, you've hunted over him a few times. He likes to stay a little bit closer. Um, then yeah. all of y'all's dogs range out pretty far. Hampton's a little bit older than all of them, um, and uh, we were out there to find eight, eight nine. Yeah, he's eight. Okay. He's eight. Um, we were out there to find birds, and, uh, you know, we got into a good covey of them. Um, it was kind of a weird situation. We'll get to later with that, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, let's let's get into it now before we get into Garden of Gun. Let's go ahead and get into that now. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the old double oak back there? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's where the cubby was. Um, I, right, we have to we let's let, we need to give a play by play now. Like let's because <laughs> we what was it, the five dog and, and and this is to Sam's credit the five dog double oak 
cup. What what did you call it? Super cubby, man. Super cubby. Huge. Yeah, it was big. Yeah. Okay. So let's um Craig, I'll let you do the play by play. Um, because it was also different from where who flushed that them birds? Was it you, Craig? I think it was Sam. Was it Sam? What yeah, was the- but well, I want to hear it from Craig's perspective. Okay, then, let's let's actually all go. I'll add in, I'll the, add in the color yeah. commentary. Go ahead. <laughs> well, so so there's five of us walking through the woods like a like a uh, what are they calling the orange army? The pumpkin the pumpkin <laughs> army. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> five different breeds of dogs. Five guys marching through the woods. Uh, I'm sure we weren't very quiet at all. I know we weren't because Darrell was there talking. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. Okay. I but, see uh, how it is. I see how it is. Uh, I got you. Uh-huh. It's coming so back, we, though. It's coming back. That, so you, that's all right. Watch out. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. But five, five different breeds of dogs, and they're running around. They were, I think they were all, you know, they are all – behaving at that point in time um it was four males and one female there was no chaos <laughs> yeah no no chaos um no no competing or anything um and, and no from piss- my perspective no pissing i don't remember any pissing yeah that's weird yeah. and the competition was healthy it was like a they were just like kind of pushing each other's range yeah. and like yeah. kind of following checking behind it i mean it was I yeah, they'd, some sometimes they'd pair off and work together and then switch it up and yeah it, I really I was I was impressed at how easily they uh they work together. Yeah. I did not have high hopes for that. <laughs> I will I will be the first to crack that yeah. one. When I tried several times to be like, "Ah, are you sure like we shouldn't go half of a swan way half of a drill?" I was like, "No, let's go." I'm like, "Okay. <laughs> this may not turn out great." It took about 10 minutes for those dogs to click and quit sniffing butts. And that was it. They hunted for four hours together solid after that. I mean, it was just cool. I'm sorry, Craig. I'm stepping all over you. (laughs) Hey, we're we're a team here. (laughs) We're the five guys now. (laughs) Yeah. Five guys. It flies and dies. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. It was, like, cool because – amongst the small conversations we were having, you just be like, has anybody seen Purdy? And yeah. Shane be like, I got Purd. And then I'd have Cy. Somebody else would have, you know, it's not like my dog in front of me all the time. It could have been Darrell's dog or Henry's dog. And I, I thought that was cool how we just kind of picked up and learned each yep. other's dogs a little bit. Look, I will say y'all uh, definitely at one point in time had Vegas because Vegas definitely said middle finger to you. <laughs> and I knew it was happening. Like that little joker stayed around y'all because I was like, wait a minute, where is he? No. <laughs> so y'all had my dog for a while. <laughs> he could he could smell all the birds on us. There you go. Y'all was in the department. <laughs> but keep going. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't want to interrupt. Uh, I, where were we at? Um, yeah, when we all got down to that uh, that double oak super cubby, um, from my perspective, I could see really, I think the only dog I saw was Vegas and Cy. And that was one thing about all those dogs working together. They were covering a lot of areas, so they weren't all in the same 
right. position mm-hmm. at all times, which is fine, cover right. more ground. Um, but I think some of them missed, you know, missed seeing that flush. Mm-hmm. How? Why? Why did they flush? I never. I was on the far left side, and I guess I was on the far right. Darrell was in the middle. Mm-hmm. I think we were all trying to. Shane was standing next to me. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was kind of. I was I, second I was, right. Yeah. And I was the person in line, I couldn't really. Yeah, I think there was like, Craig's right. I think it was Vegas went on point, and we had had a few like false alarms, right? But this, when a real point happened, it was like. Oh, this is for real. Yeah, that so like, I tried to relocate them. We all get into our attack formation. <laughs> like we're gonna and everybody got real quiet and real intense. And then <laughs> but then you're like kind of wh- trying to whisper command the dogs that weren't there to like come in. And I think that's when we realized Vegas had at first it seemed like the birds weren't there. Right. Like this was another like, man, that looked for real. And so we just kind of started spreading out and trying to see where the wind was coming from and is he pointing them far off? And then all of a sudden yes. like thirty or forty yards out to my right, like hell broke loose <laughs> through I think I remember at the time you said you, you stepped on a limb or something or like a yeah. twig. And that, that's what triggered that's everything. That's all it took. It was just like one step to the right, twig snap, birds exploded. And then from there, it was conversations about how many went to the left of the double oak, how many went to the right of it. <laughs> right. There was and, a lot of discussion on that. <laughs> I don't think any of us were right. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. So so I'm going to pitch it to Shane now because we spent some time, Shane and I individually had Cy in Vegas, and we spent some time. So what was going on on our side, Shane? Like what was the – what were we trying to resolve? Are you talking about, the, if they, talking about the first big flush? Yeah, that big one. Because you and I spent some time together yeah. trying to work that uh, out. Well, I mean, uh, that first flush, I, mean, I was I, I was on the far left. I didn't see it. Like, I just heard the birds get up, looked over, and saw them fly away. So, um, you know, we got up there and then kind of, yeah, we went walking through that tree line, you know, back and forth a couple times, kind of wheeling around, shuffling positions. Um, you know, we get a point flush or, you know, or, you know, just walk up a couple birds and, um, it wasn't until the end that I actually got a decent little, you know, sight of some of the birds, mm-hmm. but I saw the whole flush. Yeah. And, so I was, oh, excuse me. Um, I saw the whole flush now at number one, that, that, I think we need to, to to take note of the fact that that was a a, a very very uh, it's kind of a side note kind of thing, but a very circular like spherical kind of flush. Like the birds all seem to be in like one big sphere. Yeah, I did take note of that. That was very interesting. Yeah, yeah. 
How many birds do you think? Twenty at least. Yeah, I'd put. I'd say you're right. <laughs> Fifty, eighty. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't say that because then we gonna have start, people start to come down here. Don't say that. No, no, no. It was. It was at least twenty birds. <laughs> uh. So what do you think, Craig. 20, 20 real big birds is what they were. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were they were really they were large in size. They were they were well versed in where to go because they got away from us. Yeah. They yeah they were not young birds. Um, they got up and they got down and like scattered. Yeah. You think yeah, they were so rushing? No time. They were going. Man, I don't know. Well, they I got think... up and then boom, they went right back down. It's not right. Like they'll kind of come out and they find. Yeah. These like just they just got up and went right back. Yeah. Just disappeared. They weren't in thick cover when the dogs went on point or when they flushed. We were on like a hilltop that was that was like some thin little oaks or something. And there was a little bare ground nearby, and then they they were right by their escape cover, and that's where they went. They just like poof off into this creek bottom that was just like super thick, just super thick. Now, was hmm? go, go ahead, Darrell. Sorry. Oh, I w- I was just going to actually. I'll wait, Craig. Go ahead. You're good. I was just going to speak more on that cover. Uh, look kind of woodcocky down in there. Uh, just, you know, FYI, yeah. we need to get back down there. Yeah. Um, now, I will say as many times, because when we, I ain't going to lie, man, I showed up. Y'all, I mean, hell, it is known now. I showed up late. <laughs> um, and we got there, and I immediately jumped out of the truck pretty soon. It was like, all right, cool. Hey, what's up? You know, Sam, you even told me you was you was gonna be there. And I think we were like subconsciously slick trying to avoid each other, but it just didn't work out that way. <laughs> uh, I I was like, okay, here's here's the story on that. So I we were planning on hunting at another big WMA mm-hmm. in the area that I had scouted and felt good about. And we had Instagram message about that. We we had messaged back and forth like, this is where I'm going to be opening day. This is where you're going to be. I'm like, cool. Well, the night before I checked the regulations and some wires crossed in my brain and RWMA didn't open until the 15th and it was the 14th was opening day. And so I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm going to this other WMA. And so I messaged around like, look, I'm going to be there in the parking lot. Just let me know where you want to hunt and we'll go somewhere else. I'm not trying to tag along, but we, we will go. It's a big place, right? I mean, it's, it's huge. Mm-hmm. And it didn't work out. No. It sucked we, us in. <laughs> well, so – I was like, and I was, I, I, I ain't gonna even lie, cause I ain't know you at the time, not like that, like that. So I was kind of like, you know what, nah, bro, like, ah, I think I'm gonna be hunting somewhere else, you know. 
Yeah, man. <laughs> you know, dang. And you know, then I- it was like, oh, <laughs> dang, there's going to be five people and five dogs. This sounds yeah. like a terrible idea. <laughs> but it I- worked out great. It worked out great. Now I was I was a little I was a little nervous though because I hopped out the truck like real confident about where we were going. <laughs> you were very confident <laughs> about the fact that we had to walk to where we were going, and we found out later that we could have drove. Could have very much so drove. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we could have very much so drove. So enjoyed the walking though. No, you have I you have to walk everywhere you go, man. What you talking about? It's a three mile walk to get to the birds. <laughs> That's right. No, it's a ten mile walk. What are you talking about, Craig? Oh, I got big steps. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> how's that work out? Because I'm a I, I think I'm taller than you, dude. I know. <laughs> I <don't> know. <laughs> so So I got a hot tip. Here's my hot tip. Hot Ready? tip. All right. we're, on a, we're on a hot tip roll, man. I got all the tips. Okay. <laughs> um, so if you're hunting public land in Georgia, get ready for the realization that you will only cover about 120 acres yep. in a day. Yep. So let's 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 go through some of the conversation we've had since because that is a um that is actually something that is <laughs> very important to know. Um talk about that some. Oh, who? You. Me? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, just, I mean, these places we're hunting. uh, So, me and Craig and Henry just went on a hunt. I'll tell you where. Lanahassee. WMA, yep. South Georgia. It was a quota hunt. So we I was gonna say you you ain't like you gotta you gotta be on a quota for that. You ain't slick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can't go we can't go back. So, you know, good luck drawing it. Um but that place is four thousand acres, right? Yeah. Forty four hundred. Forty four hundred, yeah. I mean and the the Craig, what would you every bit of habitat there looks great. You can you can throw a, anything at it and you're gonna hit good habitat. It looked beautiful. It was huge. Really? Yeah. 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 And the place where we were at, I mean, QF is real active. I'm talking about the place where the five of us hunted. QF real active there. Mm-hmm. The habitat looked really. There were very few places on that place where I would just be like, ah, I'm not even gonna waste my time there yeah we but the, but so the we, we checked is, out a couple of places after shane and craig left one place yeah. not a couple we checked out one place yeah but i mean the scut the scale of these places are such that even i can't imagine like that so that's the rub that's the whole that's the hunt now for me is like where do you start in these places that are, you know, way bigger than even our family farm? I mean, some of these WMAs are bigger than the plantation we hunt at. Yeah. Know? And so, like, um, the realization is I think you can only cover, like, 200 acres in a day. And I mean, really cover it? Yeah. But let's, really let's, let, let's, let, let, me, let me cut you off and take a step back there. Okay, sure. let's, let's go back to this whole mythology thing. 
All right. Um, because that's been a big thing. And I, I've, I've been writing, I'm about to release um, a few articles, but one in particular that talks about the mythology of hunting down here in Georgia. Now, I know for, for sure that none of us hunt off a of horseback. I'll field trial off a of horseback a little bit, a little bit when it's convenient, but I don't own a horse. Shane, you don't own a horse. Craig, you don't own a horse. Sam or Henry, I don't think y'all own a horse. So 4,000 acres and people come down here and assume that all of us are hunting off a of horseback. That ain't the case, man. Mm-mm. You just got to I will say that the other group that we ran into on the quota hunt, they were, you know, they were hunting out of a suburban. So they, they seemed less equipped than we were. Yeah. Yeah. They were, so they were hunting out of a suburban? Well, like I mean, a, that, that was their. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were transporting dogs from one place yeah, yeah, yeah. to another place to another. Yeah. 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 I just want to, yeah. no, they weren't shooting out of one. No. They weren't pulling a horse trailer or anything like that. They didn't, you know. They yeah, weren't overpowered. Yeah. They didn't have an ATV or anything like. So. Yeah, that, so they, they didn't were, have a ten thousand dollar dog trailer, and you know, a camper that you can, you know, they didn't have all that. It right. was just a normal truck with normal dog boxes like we've got. Right, right, and you just and you just let them out. So they were they were spot hopping. I will say to kind of for your mythology piece. The place where we were hunting actually explicitly says no horses beyond this point. Mm -hmm. And in all Georgia public lands, you cannot have a dog on the ground if you're in a motorized vehicle. Yep. So it's not like, I mean, they're forcing your hand. You have to hunt on foot in most situations. Yep. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up, man, because quite frankly, like it's like hunting off a horseback is cool. Don't get me wrong. I will be doing it. I plan on purchasing a horse in a couple of years once we move and, 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 and get the space and stuff like that to do it. But it is actually way more work than necessary to hunt down here is way more. It's way more to do. And then most of the time, obviously you, you can't do it. Um, mm-hmm. that's a plantation thing. Yeah, and yeah. I don't, I just don't feel like I need to pay $7,000 to go hunt for a day. $8,000, $9,000. Like some of these places down there are dumb expensive, you know? And I think that's for a certain, uh, sector of our community, a sector of our population. It's bougie. <laughs> That's a bougie way to hunt. Man. Well, so okay, so now we <laughs> I mean, Sam never said Sam, I hear I hear no lies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, Craig, we were having this conversation. If you were trying to get somebody in a hunting, we were talking about this as we were busting our chaps, first of all, where we were hunting. If you didn't have chaps, don't show up. Don't show up. Um, because it's not like a convenience to have chaps. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a no-go if you don't have them. Right, exactly. And we were talking about the fact that – so I'll put it in terms like this. 
You can take three. I want. I drew the quota hunt. I can take two guests. I had Henry going, and I had another friend of mine who wants to get into bird hunting. He he's like really into it, so I'm like, cool, you can go. He hurt. He first of all, he hurt his leg, which is a no go because if you can't walk, you can't go. The, the list of people who I even could send an invitation to to come do that was so small. Yeah. yeah. It was so small. And it's because you can't just be like, hey, Joe, do you want to go walk, walk 12 miles 10 miles and- through bushes <laughs> that are up to your chest? I mean, to find one yeah. cubby, you know, after four hours of hunting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. You better, you, better, you better wake up. That's cool. it, it, yeah. it takes a you got almost have to have a screw loose to to want to do this. I mean, it's 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 definitely a certain person that likes that kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're and we're talking about you know wild bird coveys for for folks that there is that other mythology of like all Georgia people only hunt preserved birds and stuff like that. No, 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 no. And I'm, and I'm honestly glad to have you four on here. Um because each of you guys is pr- proficient in your own way in, in doing that. Um, now, I am really interested in talking about range down here. Because I think fundamentally, all of us can appreciate each of our own individual dog or dog's ranges, but we all have a different reason for wanting our dog to perform at a certain range. And I want to start with, with, with Shane, cause Shane, you know, side, long as we've been hunting together, side been, been, been getting out there. He'd been getting the job done. I like size range. And then I want to bounce it to Craig because Craig had the dog that, that, that covered ground closest to us. So I guess, you know, we've had a conversation, you know, a while ago um about you know like my big thing is you know i and why i went with a short hair when i was looking for hunting dogs because i'm my i myself i'm pretty active i hike a lot i run i do a lot of running you know and um so that's i think honestly i think that's a lot of where Sai gets his range from you know yeah. was when we you know we used to go run there'd be field where i would just let him go yeah and he could just he could run to the till the daylight wanted to you know and um i'd get to the other end and he'd be just sitting there waiting for me or he'd come check back in you know and then i never really did anything about it i never really thought about it you know what i was doing to the dog at all like if you know i was doing anything to the dog but i think i think that's kind of where a lot of that comes from is just the fact that the constant exercise that we get you know and the fact that there's you know well and we don't have that here well he's not allowed to run like that here but you know back in the day Right. When he was younger and we used to run, I think that's where that comes from. It's going, you know, on the backside of this cow pasture, it was just flat and open. I'd let him, you know, I used to run him at heel and I'd just let him run, you know, stretch the legs. And I don't know how far it was. I didn't have GPS, but it was pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So is, is, is that something let's say for peach, right? Is that something that you 
would appreciate or and want to extend, you know, maybe with Peach or the or, or the dog that follows that, or is that something that you're kind of like, I kind of want to reel that in. So Peach will she'll stretch that far, but she's much more frequent about checking back in. That might just because she's young. She's young. Um, but there's birds, you know, when there's birds out, like she tends to keep a little close. And I was sigh, like, you know, like when I'm out there moving, like I'm, you know, I take, you know, it's, I'm, you know, I want to one step after another, like I'm not stopping unless the dog looks like he has something in his nose. Uh, otherwise we're just going to keep walking. And um, so I appreciate the range just because I can cover the territory, you know, um, but forgot, you know, cause you know, forgotten some of the places, you know, they're, they're not as big. Um, yes, yeah, so you gotta be able to wheel them back in, you know, just like you guys were talking earlier, you know, about not getting in somebody else's way, you know, it's a safety factor and, you know, it's quite impolite. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. To say the least. <laughs> I, I, I got yeah. I have my guide stories for you, and, and I want to kind of touch on that a bit. Um, matter of fact, after this, um, after this, and after gardening gun, I ain't forgot about you, uh, Sam. <laughs> um, okay, okay. So, Craig, it, it's interesting to me how this entire thing was set up because, again, all of our dogs did something different that was unique and beneficial. Um, to that hunt on that particular day. And it's very few folks that I can say I would definitively excitedly hunt with again. And it ain't no shade on nobody else I've hunted with. It's just that hunt was this, this hunt that we, we all went on really stuck out to me. You know, it, it, it really made me think about a whole lot of things. Um, and one thing that I thought about Craig is, is, the fact that Hampton covered our ground closest to us. And I want you to talk about his range, but also um, the benefits of it. And is that something that has changed as he's gotten older? So, yeah, since he's older, he, he's still what he ran the whole four hours we were out there. So that's not yeah. the problem. Right. And he's always, but he's always kind of been a closer working dog. I think I've told you before, um, when I got him, I was in Utah, um, and you know, I didn't want to have to run to the other side of the mountain. So I've always kept him a little bit tighter, 75, hundred yards tops. Um, and most of the time really at 50. Um, and I think what, you know, he's out there doing instead of jumping over cover, he's working through cover, checking every little thing out, being very, you know, paying attention to everything. Um, and I think that comes in handy when if you got a dog that's running, 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 and is just out there running, hunting for himself, he's going to miss something. And, and, and I think Hampton, I've got him to where he's kind of hunting for me more so, uh, just in the way that he's closer and acting like he's with me the whole time. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, Henry, let's talk about your dogs. Because your dogs, honestly, I feel like were a bit of a compliment to Hampton. 
um was it hank did you was yeah, that the english pointer that uh had on the ground with with when we were all there before uh before shane and craig left that was hank okay he's, he's about two years old um uh he's actually honestly was was uh, a little off that day he he uh he usually ranges pretty well, like in, is one of my further ranging dogs up to like two, 300 yards. Um, but I will say that when he is at that range, it's usually, um, and at, at Quail Ridge, we hunt out of, uh, Jeeps like mm-hmm. hunting. And so usually when he ranges like that, we're in the, we're riding around on the road. Right. So I'm thinking that that may have thrown him off a little bit. Yeah. Usually he'd probably be out there a little further, but um yeah he he kind of as other things i noticed from him that day was that he was uh he would kind of pair off with dogs a little bit he he did get kind of caught up in sniffing butts a little bit but um as far as when he was hunting he was he was kind of um working with purdy a lot and uh i don't know i i think did a good job that day um i i was not he didn't, he didn't really mess anything up. So I can't, I can't complain. He, he, I would say that he did a lot better. I feel like, uh, when, when we went to, uh, the uh, quota hunt, I, okay. I was really impressed with how, how well he busted through cover and the range he was getting. And, and in fact, he, uh, we finally got into a covey, uh, Sam and I did, and he, he had a great back on, on my other Visla that was on the ground. So, you know, he, uh, I would say for the most part, he's a, he's a long ranging dog, but yeah, on that day he was very, uh, I would say medium to close. I don't know. What, what did you, what did, what were your, uh, what was your take on Hank? Um, my honest take, Hank did look like he was out of his element. Yeah. And it wasn't that he wasn't hunting. Because it'd be different if the dog wasn't moving, wasn't hunting, he was bootlegging. He wasn't bootlegging, he wasn't doing any of that. Um, and even with sniffing butts, dude, like I, I, one thing that I'm honestly glad that I didn't do, and it is no shade on my dog is bring Ruger out there. And I had, I I think I'm, I had him on the back of the truck that day. Um, Ruger is extremely dominant. It like, we wouldn't be having the same story. Um, I think Craig and Shane, y'all know Ruger well enough to know, like Ruger will hunt, he'll flush birds, he'll retrieve, he'll do everything he needs to do. But that's some bitch there. Like he is a, he, he, he just, he going to piss on everything, you know, when there's other males around. Um, And so my, my barometer, I guess, or my gauge for dogs pissing and sniffing on butts and stuff like that is like, as long as I ain't pissing on stuff, <laughs> I'm pretty much cool. Like, cause my own dog, it just does all of that. Um, so I think out of the five, I think Hank was probably the most keyed in on like, oh shoot, there are yeah, there's a bunch of other dogs here. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah and but, I will say, I mean, typically we run two at a time mm-hmm. and, and going back, if I could have changed anything, I probably would have started with Katie just because she's, she's a lot less interested. She's older. She's probably five or six years old. Yeah. And Hank's maybe two. He's, he's, yeah. I don't think he's quite he's two. Young. I think he and Vegas looked 
just in their faces, roughly yeah. about the same age. I don't know why that made sense to me, but it did. Um, Hank didn't do a bad job. He just he looked like he was just out of his element. Yeah. And and not out of his element like he couldn't hunt, out of his element like, we don't normally do this. And I know with pointers particularly, because we were the only two that were running pointers, um, with pointers particularly, they are very, uh, I've noticed, with mine at least, and I'd love to know your thoughts on it, but when I do take Vegas out of his element, and like put him in somewhere or something with other dogs, like it takes him a second to kind of calibrate, you know, and he will kind of be like, you know, matter of fact, the first time I hunted with Craig and put Vegas on the ground, you remember Craig Vegas was kind of like he and, uh, and, and, and Hampton were like kind of crisscrossing for a second. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. Uh, Vegas being a big running dog, the first time they got together, he was like, wait, should I be doing what this guy is doing? What are we right. doing? Where are we at? Mm-hmm. Well, Craig make it way in on that situation. He was at, he was at both hunts. And uh, I mean, did, did did you notice a difference in Hank uh, from the first to the second hunt, Craig? Oh, oh yeah, you? definitely. Definitely. Yeah, he, Hank, like you said, he was, he was busting brush. Oh, we actually, yeah. we had to find him a couple times. Nice. Um, Cause he was, you know, he was off hunting down where actually where a woodcock was um, <laughs> that, we, that we, we saw, but never got a shot at. Yeah. Um, but he was definitely, he stepped up his game. We had what three dogs on the ground at a time mm-hmm. that time. Um, which I liked them three dogs. That was yeah, I did too. That went bad. Yeah, they they worked well together. They didn't they didn't mess with each other. They just hunted their own ways and and uh, seemed like they had fun. Yeah. Let me let me ask y'all this before we get to Sam. What is it about hunting with multiple dogs on the ground? Why is it that down here? And I'm gonna ask because as a guy. Um, Clients come to see two pointing dogs and a flushing dog or a retriever, whatever you want to do. I use a lap. The cocker thing, as cool as hell as it is, and I do plan on owning a cocker, it is kind of a fad, guys. Like let's just let's just call it what it is. It is kind of a fad. I, I could um, weigh in. I thought that theory. I, yeah. I wanna I wanna say that and before you say that, Craig and Henry, um I talked to some old school dog men down there with y'all and they were like this cocker thing that's new. Like we hunt, they hunted with labs. Like they were like, nah, we, we, we use labs when we did this. So weigh in on that. And Craig and Shane, I want to hear y'all's thoughts on that too. Sam, go ahead. Oh, I think, uh, the cocker thing. Yeah. I like my dad got it for 35 years and never had a flushing dog Mm -hmm. lab or, he well, okay, I take that back. He has owned labs, but not that he took quail hunting. Um, the cocker thing was firing up when I moved back to Georgia and got my first dog. Where were you going? Puerto Rico. Okay. Damn. You so, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, people were. Um, no, I just follow my wife around wherever she goes. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, 
but people were starting to get into him. I was starting to see on the heels of a Boykin thing. I think the Boykin thing got nuts for a second. Really? Talk about that. Okay, go further in. You know, I'm going to ask you. Talk about that for a second, then come on back out. I just think that, I mean, I just think there's like two or three years around like 2013 to 2016 where like Boykins were just like, oh, I want a Boykins. And that's nothing against Boykin owners, whatever. If you like them, you like them. But the Cockers, okay, so I think from my perspective, being a guide, I think it's a safety issue. I think more guides started seeing the benefit of having a little dog that, I mean, that's not 50-plus pounds running in 80-degree weather uh, that eats way less. You are literally speaking my mind as to why I want a cocker for guys, but go ahead. I think the whole flushing dog resurgence came out of a safety issue for guys. Okay. If if you don't have – you're stepping in there to flush birds and in front of people who this might be their first quail hunt. This might be their first time ever holding a gun. Right. And you don't want to be in front of those people at all. And so to send in a little dog who's not going to jump up all over everybody and do all this stuff, I think, you know, that's why I own one. I think that's why a lot of people the appeal. You and you, you do own a cocker. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't you bring yours out that day? Because I didn't bring my lab that day. Too hot. Okay. Yeah, it's a walking. It's the we put. I mean, we walked a lot of miles. I I just think if we could hunt close to the truck, he could hunt. Yeah. But I mean, he's little. They're little dogs. They they got real short legs and. They want to run, but they don't – I mean, they're just wired up all the time. It would be nice if they would just, like, nicely heal and walk slowly beside you, but that ain't going to happen. Okay, all right. So, sorry, Craig, Henry, Jane, got to go further in because I had this same – Sam, we got to – we got to – we got more to talk about here, but you and I have had – you just literally outlined the same – issue that I've had with taking my lab out for guided hunts even it is a pain in the rear end to keep my lab at heel for two and a half hours three hours yeah he and 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 he does it but majority of the time real talk I walk with him on a lead yeah Henry can talk about this a lot. He's been hunting with a cocker longer than I have, mm-hmm. I mean, and mine goes out. My I use mine, and I'll be short, and Henry can talk. But I use mine two ways: one to fill in with a dog that is not an A plus dog, so to complement a weaker dog, a dog that has some trouble finding singles or not a strong retriever. I'm talking about a pointing dog to complement a pointing dog. And he will, in that case, he will hunt. He'll quarter at about 15 yards or closer. And uh, I tell my guests, like, he's not going to stop. Right. If my cocker's on the ground, watch the cocker. The big dog's going to stop. The little dog doesn't stop. Ain't going to stop, Right. Right. And then if I get into a situation where I've got two dogs that are just 
you get into these situations where you have a dog that's like gonna back another dog. Yeah. Too much. Like the honoring get is too much. The, uh, then you get into a honoring dog, honoring a honoring dog, and they're not gonna move. And a cocker is a bit of chaos that can can break some of that stuff up. Right. Uh, that's a hard. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but you guys may know what I'm talking about. You know, a dog stops to take a whiz and then a dog backs it <laughs> because it stopped. Yeah. And then that dog turns around and sees a stop dog and stops. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, guys, hunt, you know, whatever. But yeah, Cocker, I'll, I'll walk with him on a lead if I, if I anticipate that. But Henry can talk about how he hunts moose. Yeah, um, so I let's see, he mooses what maybe six now. Um, I got him three or four seasons ago, and I was lucky enough a guy that we're friends with, uh, kind of friends with our plantation. He 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 gave gave me the dog, mm-hmm. already trained. So I, I I can't really attest to the training of a uh, of a cocker. I've I've got a puppy now that I'm currently training, and it's a handful. I can tell you, but. Um, so anyway, with, with moose, it was, I've, I've been guiding nine years. So I already had a, a pretty good amount of experience under my belt. And with moose, it just was kind of a, a relief. It, it took a lot of pressure off of me, like Sam touched on. Um, but just, I had some dogs that would flush, but I would find myself nine times out of 10, you know, you're running six dogs. Like, like Sam mentioned earlier, out of those six dogs, not everyone's going to flush and a probably there's going to be a pair in there somewhere that's neither one of them are going to flush. And so it is just great to have that, that, uh, that option to just, you know, deploy your, your, uh, your bombshell into the your hand grenade into the, into the bush. Um, and I will say the other great thing about a cocker is, um, they will find a dead bird. Like when all, when other, you know, pointers have had enough and they want to go hunt area, other areas and find other birds, a cocker will go into the bush. You can send them places. And that is, I don't, it, it's very, very valuable in my line of work. Like it's, you know, we, we, we're, we charge the guests based on the birds that we bring back. So if yep. you, if you're leaving, you're leaving dead birds in the field, that's, that's costing the plantation money. And, you know, so it's, uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed having a cocker. Um, and so much so that I got another one this year. So okay. I would say that it's it's like for wild bird hunting, probably not the most applicable breed. Mm-mm. Um, I'm sure it's definitely possible, but I, I would. Uh, well, you would hunt them by them by themselves. Yeah, and I mean, but I, I just think that, like, in, in general, as a breed, they're they're just not going to have the stamina. They're not going to have the endurance that that a, a long legged dog is going to have. Like Sam said, and it's it's a that that can that can be a problem that can cut cut your hunt short if that's the only dog you own so yeah you know that would be the drawback really okay and getting back to your lab question i would say even the guides i know that still have labs for their flush retrieve dog are favoring smaller labs now mm-hmm. them you're Brit- seeing the they're trend. putting more british labs in there yeah mm-hmm. you're seeing the trend go to smaller female you know just whatever they can do to get that lab smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Shane, Craig, now y'all are working versatile dogs. 
I feel so weird about. Does anybody else feel weird about saying versatile dog? I just, I'm one of them people that feels like a dog is a dog is a dog. A lot of them, you know, if they're talented enough to retrieve, you can get them to do a lot of it. Anyway, I feel like cockers are versatile, but they don't count them as versatile. I feel like labs are versatile, but they don't count those as versatile either. So, <laughs> they, they, they write some letters to some senators. All uh, right, hey, there you go. Uh, write your local politician, guys. It's twenty twenty. Um, so Shane and Craig, y'all are using versatile dogs now. You got three folks on the podcast that use a, a pointer and a flushing dog. What are the assets and benefits of 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 what you guys have noticed that we don't do that y'all do? I'll let uh, Craig take 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 the reins on that one. Well, I don't. I I think we all are doing the same thing, just in a different way, really. Um, with you know, with Hampton and Cy being German dogs, German short hair, Cy and Hampton German wire hair. Um, all dogs are versatile. I've seen I've seen Vegas or Chief. I, you know, you have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Little known secret. Don't tell nobody that though. I was supposed well, to like. nobody, uh, nobody, nobody listen to that. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but I think, you know, if I if Hampton's feeling good and he's he's locked on point, he's not going anywhere. If he's if there's birds right there, you can see the birds. You can walk up and touch him and he'll, you know, get them up. Right. Um, and you know, hopefully he doesn't jump on top of them and tackle them. He's not gonna do that with a wild bird, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um but I think that's just having one dog to do that is better than to me, better than carrying a leash around with another little dog. Um, you know, those cockers are really fun though. They're fun to hang out with, fun to watch. I think that's the big thing is people like to watch them. That's where, you know, you're talking about that fad coming in the last couple of years and mm-hmm. this plantation hunting. It's a, it's a good, you know, it's more, more show, uh, for the guests, which is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they look good walking down the sidewalks, uh, all combed out in Thomasville too. Right. <laughs> we're, we're touching it. We're touching on it. You look, you 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 better be careful, Craig. I might not be invited back down to Thomasville. You keep talking. <laughs> about to be the blacklisted five guys. Exactly. <laughs> okay. 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 Um now, Craig. <laughs> My, I guess my thing is, have you noticed? And and I'm a, I think you you pick, you pick on me a lot because Craig is like, I know uh, we want to go training. These ain't wild birds, but let's go work dogs. And I was like, you know, dude, I'm I'm biased as hell, but I enjoy a good time. So let, why not? Let's mm-hmm. do it. Have you noticed in your German dogs? Have you noticed the dog? not caring and this is and i'm asking selfishly because this is my problem have you noticed your dog not caring more about pen raised birds when as you've gotten him uh more acclimated to wild birds and you've hunted everywhere from utah all the way down to here so talk about that um i haven't noticed him not caring um i've noticed him being more careless on wild birds Uh, really yeah i don't know i don't know if it's because they don't hold you know 
um, you know, pen raised bird, you can get some that just sit there and, and they're there until you step on them. Um, okay. and I've, I've, I've kind of noticed the opposite of that. If he's been out on too many pen raised birds, then we run across a wild covey out at the same place where I brought you out there at Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Cause you could run across a wild covey. Courtesy of my background right now, Hollywood, but go ahead. Yep. Yep. Which we found after you left that day, but I understand you had a doctor's appointment with the baby. So yeah, um, <laughs> I'll be back though, Michael. Thank oh, you. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, no, he'll he'll you know do great on those pen raised birds, <laughs> and then then we'll get a surprise with that wild covey just because he's used to being able to be so close to the bird. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's where I've seen an issue recently. Okay. Okay. Um, Shane, what's your thoughts on that, buddy? we're kind of the same boat you know we we learned and grew on you know smaller preserve you know um so our only exposure for a long time was only pen raised birds and he he had you know that wild hair up his ass where you know i'm going to grab this bird no matter what you do no matter you know pull you know pull a check cord shock me i'm going to catch a bird today you know um so as he's gotten older, he's gotten better about it, obviously. But we, um, you know, seeing the wild birds, you know, he, he's gotten better. But he's like, we're, you know, we we still do guide in enough places. They're you know smaller birds. We didn't help in raise, and you know, if we're doing that for a handful of days, then when we go out here and we're out here running on our farm, you know, he'll he'll go barreling right through the middle of them, you know, just because you know, I think careless is a good word for it. You know, <laughs> they get used to these. I don't want to word trained, but you know, I, I guess kind of in the dog's eye, maybe, but maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, they're used to be able to walk, we said walk right up on them, and you know, wild birds aren't going to tolerate that. So, nah, they're definitely not going to do that. Um, they're going to run away, fly away. So, when we have all of this stuff, man, I, I would love to know why you think. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine and I, and I, and I, w- I was really surprised at like a lot of times I'll be out guiding and, and, and folks will, you know, of course you just, you have all kinds of conversations with people while you're walking out with them in the middle, smack dab in the middle of the woods. Like you get to know folks real well. And a lot of them were like, well, you know, where do you hunt at? Um, you know, when you're not out here guiding, and I told them kind of the general, general area, um, matter of fact, no, I told them exactly where I was going to hunt because they weren't no threat of competition. Yeah, I have no threat of competition. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, like I, I legitimately told them where I <laughs> I could send them an onyx pin and, and they are still them. not gonna go there. Like <laughs> um and they were just kind of like, dang, you know, you hunt these birds and you, you do all of this stuff. And it is still a pervasive, pervasive, um, I guess, thought or sentiment around the nation that there just are no wild birds here. And it's true. There are no wild birds in Georgia. That's right. Stay away. Yep. Zero. <laughs> Don't. I've never um, seen one. <laughs> it, you have to pay to shoot preserve birds <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and at $400 a bird 
<laughs> Please tip your guides well. <laughs> yes, tip your guides. All right, tip them uh, very, very, very well. Well, no, I, um, in all seriousness, though, I um, really want to kind of wrap it up with some cultural stuff about the South. You know, everybody's been down here. Everybody's, you know, from down here, lived down here, God knows our whole lives. I want to go one by one, starting with Shane. What have you noticed about the culture of hunting in the South that is unique historically to the bird dog community? Like what comes to mind? Sam, you look like that one. I think a lot of it, I think, you know, a lot of it just kind of comes down to individual family. You know, everybody, no matter what they hunted, you know, anybody you talk to, their granddaddy had some kind of hunting dog, you know, whether it was birds, whether it was, you know, some kind of hound dog, whether it was deer dogs. Um, you know, you talk about the word versatile earlier. You know, I like the word because, you know, I've got, you know, Craig said any dog can be a versatile dog. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we, like when we go hunt, you know, we're not just hunting, you know, whatever birds we find in point, you know, I'll shoot rabbits, I'll shoot squirrels and Silo will find them and bring them back. So that's why, and he'll also tree, you know, he'll also tree squirrels. So he'll that's tree. why I like the word, but that kind of thing. I mean, not that we trained to do, it was just something that dogs do, you know, right. when they'll chase a squirrel up a tree and, you know, but you know, it's just kind of the, the, the thing, you know, I, I think that, that, that a lot of it has to do with, you know, it's just kind of more, more or less just tradition, you know, hearing the stories of, you know, somebody's granddad or somebody's dad had this or, you know, and some people had that dog that did everything. They went and they, you know, put him, put him wherever, you know, and that was kind of the dogs that, you know, my, you know, neither of my parents hunted, so we always heard stories secondhand, you know, mm-hmm. and granddaddy was physically not in good shape, and we were old enough to do all that, so we never saw any of it. So then when it came down to wanting to get a dog, you know, that's why I, doing the research I did, I went with that dog. You know, so, you know, I, you know, just tradition, being a family, I guess kind of the, the old traditions passed down here and there, you know, and kind of the stuff, a lot of it's probably marketing, you know, but um, there there is an actual real history of it, you know, and we, I guess, you know, there's a, a lot of different factors, you know, um, but. So, Craig, let's, let's go with you on that question. Ask that question again real quick. I was, no. I was bothered by this cat. Oh, <laughs> you got a you got a cat and a white hair in the same house. Uh, two two white hairs and a cat, and the cat's totally alive. a good problem. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you have a living cat, dude. Um, <laughs> but what what is it about the South, man? Like what what makes the mythology that that that's that goes on down here? Um. I think you've said it before pointers and, and, uh, and setters. That's, that's your classic Southern dogs that, that you see in the magazines or on TV or read stories about. Um, I think that's the, that's the tradition. Um, and when I think of the South, I think of traditions and, uh, you know, some of us are, don't fall in line with those traditions, but, 
you know, my dogs came from elsewhere and I like to introduce them and see how they work with those traditions. And it's, uh, it's cool. It's cool. Okay. Um, but it's all in that, and that too, you know, speaking of five guys and five different dogs, it was a, it was a very diverse community down there that day. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool too. Cause that that's the South is very diverse. It, it, I'm glad you brought that up and Lord knows I don't need to get in a diatribe about the whole minority outdoor lines thing, blah, 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 blah. But I do, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, because again, that does dispel this notion that, you know, honestly, just a bunch of white guys that go hunting down here, you know, <laughs> that that's part of it. And because of that diversity, you're bringing a whole lot of different flavors and things like that to, um, to bird dogs. But honestly, man, I think everybody's standards are typically, usually, and generally through the roof about having good dogs down here. Mm-hmm. Like diversity of thought, what, what I'm saying is like diversity of thought promotes you know, people saying, oh, shoot, okay, you got a Beasley, you got a short hair, you got a wire, you got pointers, you went traditional. Why did you do this? And we spent a whole hell of a lot of time with each other, talking to each other about it. And you see different ways that people were creative. I mean, the black population of folks down here had to just by the nature of the South and its history had to be extremely creative about breaking a bird dog. Versus particularly the predominant white population down here had more European standards for what pointers and setters and any other dog should do. And I think a lot of that was shaped by the market. You know, what we were saying beforehand, a lot of the standards of how we hunt down here is, is, is smoking, not smoking mirrors, but like it's theater. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and a lot of <laughs> a lot of these places that are selling hunts are, are it's more so about the uh, they're selling an experience or a or a um, I don't know. It's it's more it's more about the the production than anything than the actual hunting. Right, right. So like you know you're horse drawn carriages and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's a fun, you know, good time. It's a, it's, it's a way to kind of get in touch with those, those very same traditions of, you know, where the, the humble beginnings of quail hunting in the South, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say maybe not, not necessarily humble. If there was a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of rich white, white Europeans coming over here and, you know, bringing their dogs with them. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, like a, a lot, there's, there's a big difference in, in, in even down here in uh, plantations and, and shooting preserves. Like there's, there's the ones that are, that are show up in garden and gun. And there's the ones that you go at to kill a bunch of birds. That's you right. know, like, a, and it, it's, there's, there's a big difference between them. Mm-hmm. There are, there are. So Henry being from, being from down here, like, what do you think is the thing that contributes to m- the most to the mythology of the South? Like, what is the one thing that stands out to you? Well, being in this three generations, um, I, I mean, 
my experience is exclusive exclusive to my family so i haven't guided at any other plantations i haven't um i haven't uh work work anywhere but but here so it, you know that's my um my experience is limited and i don't <clears throat> I, I don't know for for me it's just it's just the the history of hunting is the history of my family like my 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 grandfather has he's been working dogs since the late 60s and before that i'm sure he was hunting but um i would say with the mythology you know a lot for people that come to our our place um he he's almost something of a of a myth um or a legend like and especially now he passed in 2016 he just did a did a lot of things in his life as a world war ii vet and uh, hey. uh i um he taught at ABAC University. He did okay. teaching and stuff, but just a, a great guy that, that I think really made our, uh, made, made our business last so long. And I think that's what uh, keeps a lot of our same clients and customers coming back is, is just his, his legacy. Okay. So I, I think it's just a, a lot, a lot to do with the old timers that kind of shaped, um, shaped the way quail hunting, you know, was done decades ago. You think the old timers are the ones that, well, just you know, the, now still make the narrative because I, I I rely on my old timers from down there too. Yeah, I'm, I I wouldn't say you know it, it, there's definitely a shift and there has to be a shift soon because what we're seeing now is a lot of our clients are, you know, I hate to put it this way, but they're they're dying out. Mm-hmm. Like it, um, quail hunting is definitely major. Uh, the majority of our clients are definitely in their, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s and and getting older every day. Right. We're seeing fewer and fewer young people getting into the sport. So, you know, it's, it's, it's it was great on this hunt to get to meet all of you guys because, you know, there's not a lot of people out there our age. And if there are, they're, they're probably guiding. So, right. <laughs> but it's, it's nice to see people, even the, even guiding, you know, do it in their off time. So they're, you know, you know, the, all of us are really passionate about it and you know, it's, it's something that we all care about. And I think that's, you know, we're the ones that have to pass on this mythology and this, this, uh, this lifestyle to the next generation. Okay. I like that, man. You out here preaching, dude. <laughs> I hear preaching. I'm just, uh, you know, Going down the rabbit hole. I don't know which uh, which direction it's taking me. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is a part of being in the uplands, man. Well, 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 Sam, bring us home, man. Um, man, it's a tough question because I I love the sport and I love the I love the mythology around it. I love the the fancy old shotguns and I love wiregrass and long leaf and all that stuff. But when I talked, there's a cynical side of me. Mm-hmm. Like when I talked to my dad who he was born in 53, grew up on a big farm, they weren't wealthy, you know, that they, they like scratched a living off their farm and <laughs> Uh, he guided for 35 years. You know, he picks up gardening gun mm-hmm. or he looks at American field type stuff mm-hmm. and sees a South that he doesn't recognize that he, despite having been born and lived here, 
he he doesn't recognize that stuff. What he doesn't recognize the people with the you know break action gun over their shoulder and their cool quilted vest. There's there's nothing wrong with that stuff, but what I'm getting at is the media industry riders have created the narrative. Oh, for sure. And they were northern right. riders, dude. Yeah, riders come here and they pick the stories that they want to tell because so for instance like i've been you know at getting into public land bird hunting i'm quizzing my dad up about like okay how do you decide on four thousand acres where to start and he's like he's like we didn't really have bird dogs like people have on plantations we walked fence rows mm-hmm. the bird friend jumbled up fence rows and you and your buddy one got on one side one got on the other you may send a dog in there but it was just to make noise to flush them out of the fence rows it didn't like quail hunting for him didn't happen in the wire grass and the long leaf um some of it did you know he does remember shooting woodcock as bycatch to quail hunting so there was some of that Okay. Um, he's like, we never hunted woodcock. We just shot them if they got up, kind of deal. So, I think I focus more on like where the mythology differs from the reality. And you kind of touched on it with the, talking about blackbird, uh, blackbird dog handlers. Is that the reality is that hunting quail is a lot more gritty mm-hmm. and dirty and sweaty and hard than the industry is making it in the South, the Mm -hmm. industry in Georgia. Because if you go into the Midwest, it's all about wilderness athlete, hashtag public land owner. You know, they're they're about more like performance hiking boots than $400 handmade leather Mm-hmm. Boot with a certain brand, you know, but, um, yeah. And it, it's, it's funny. You see, I want to, I want to cut you right there real two yeah, seconds. No, 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 no. You're good. You're good. I, I, I just want to add to that. I am all about much like you, Sam, we have a lot more to talk about. I'm all about the look and the ethos and the mythology about it. it like it's cool. Shit. I just got a new AYA and just got a new yeah. Tom Beckby vest and all of it. Like mm-hmm. the, the look and feel of it is cool. But we have to still communicate the fact that, no, we're not out here in performance boots that do the blah, blah, blah. No, like I, I hunt either in snake boots or... or um, Crocs. Crocs. <laughs> I hate y'all. I hate y'all. <laughs> yes, I hunted in Crocs one day and I will never do that again. <laughs> But it's it's either snake boots, it's it's, it's mock toes, you know, things like that. Um, and I think for that, as younger guys, I think we can all, to some degree, appreciate the 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 elegance of it because it still comes back down to that that south of like showing up to play in your in in in, in your Sunday best. That's kind of how I still think about hunting in a, in, a, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, but I, I just think, wanted to say that. But go ahead. I, I was going to say real quick. I almost think it's like a quail hunting was almost a precursor to to what we we're seeing these days with like up um, 
like backcountry hunting and stuff, you know, you got like the mm-hmm. really expensive gear, the, you know, six, $800 backpack, the, you know, a hundred dollar suit camo suit. And, you know, like all just everything is, you know, you're a bit in a bit of it uh, in a way is like, you're showing off, like you're, you know, you, you want to have all the gear you want to have. Yeah. Yeah. You're flexing. Yeah. Right. So, but there's, I, I there's, a, like, there's a pride like to it. There's a practical pride to it. Yeah. 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 And I feel like quail yeah, hunting I mean, is kind of almost the precursor to the the kind of the, the the movements we're seeing more so now in uh in in backcountry hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I you know I I just contrast what I see. I'm on a, I'm in certain ways I'm jealous of hunters in the Midwest, and I told you this, Darrell, that you know so much of the media, it's either bougie south georgia hunting mm-hmm. or it's like this gritty practical midwestern sense mm-hmm. and if i've got a message it's that there is the practical south georgia yeah or the practical georgia bird hunters too that, that i feel like midwest hunters almost have a freedom they have tossed the shackles of appearance well they never had a to start yeah. that way well that's true like nobody goes out there to to flex their you know whatever but i mean it, it gets ridiculous it's gotten to such a ridiculous point though here that you've got people showing up to bird hunts even on a preserve Wearing like driving moccasins. Oh and yeah. Slacks. And you're thinking like, what Kool-Aid have you been drinking? Because we're out here to chase birds through green briars and wiregrass and gallberries up to your crotch and sawtooth palmetto. I mean, I think that's the the bad part of the mythology. The beautiful part of the mythology is that you can there's people I think like these five or these four guys, I won't include myself that, that they know how to make it look good and push through the, <laughs> the crappy crap. I mean, it pushing through, I don't know about you guys, but chasing those birds off that hilltop down into that bottom and discussing the tactics about how we were going to do that made me feel like a 12 year old kid again, (laughs) (laughs) like playing with my boys being like, okay. (laughs) I mean, everybody's just like peak excitement. And I think that I've, if we're lose, if we lose that in the mythology, we've gone wrong, but if we can somehow hold on to it with one hand and kind of, Hold, hold the other, and the other hand will be okay. Be a little booby. <laughs> little booby. I call it Finer Things Club, right? Like, I'm a member of the Finer Things Club, okay? But you can't be scared to take that AYA and bushwhack. Yeah, you got to take that gun. down into the swamp yeah. and not and just oh, be okay with it. What you yeah. what y'all thought this was, man? Like... <laughs> That gun is gonna get used. I mean, it's cool, but it's still a gun at the end of the day. Yeah, <laughs> I respect that. 
Hey, it's, it's, that, that, that little joke is sitting right next to me, man. Like, it, mm, we getting real acquainted. Okay. I got, I got one story. They'll just okay, go ahead. Uh, wrap up what I'm talking about. So I had a client. He was very fluent. He was shooting a, uh, a boss and co of London. This gun is six figure. He was shooting a boss. Uh, he, it was part of a match pair that he had flown to England to get measured for. I mean, (sighs) the finest of things club, right? Worth more than my house. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I got to shoot it. And when I shot it, I smeared, uh, that there's a little graphic. I don't know your viewers, but, uh, <laughs> I smeared blood all in the forend into the checkering. I had, I'd pit, I'd taken a bird, a shot bird for my dog, blood on my hand. I shot the next bird. He didn't bat an eye. I apologize. I'm like, I'm so sorry that I, you know, thinking that he had this piece of art out in the woods and was going to get upset about it. And he was like, if I wanted to keep it clean, I wouldn't have taken it out of the case. I was like, "That okay? That's yeah. a guy who can hold it in yeah. both hands." There. Yeah, yeah. That, they, uh, they, there is a crowd of folks that ain't out here playing around. Right. <laughs> he ain't. He he ain't playing around now. You know, I still would have apologized if I was in your position, and I probably still, after the fact, been like, "Look, man, can't buy you another one, but I clean it though." It was cool. All right, I had fun. Sorry. That's no, 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 no. You're you're, you're good because I can sit here and go on. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna finish up the podcast. Hot tip of the day from each and every last one of y'all, and it's got to be something new. Shane, go. Oh man, why me? <laughs> oh. <clears throat> Find good boots. Damn, mine are old and they hurt my feet. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. What 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 you rocking now? Oh, these all they're, they're old red. Oh man, are they Red Wings Irish Setter? I think it's the same company actually. Yeah, um, they're Red Wings or Irish Setters. Okay. I just, I've had them forever. There's they're not. It's. I go walking in and my hips start hurting. I'm like, damn, like a woman. <laughs> so get new boots. Okay. Cause you know, walk around <laughs> limping and like that. Get new boots. me walking, pushing through these fires. And it's not, man, you know. You want to know what was crazy? Not walking through the cut fields. Yeah. I, it's, I, I, I need to do the easy stuff. Well, Shane, I spent a lot of money on some thorough good boots. And and they're cool. Like they're cool. But the boots that I prefer wearing are some $99 Justin's boots. That <laughs> I'm like, uh, I just like these a little better. Um, so touche to that. Touche. Touche. Um, Sam, hot tip. Oh, I'm just saying, don't let them out. I will. True. That's true. Okay. A new hot tip. I think if you're going to hunt birds in Georgia, you need to have a vest 
a hunting vest with a game bag big enough to tote all the layers you're going to be peeling off <laughs> uh, during the day. Like, uh, that's one. And then the other would be like, listen, listening a lot. Cause we found, we found a lot of those singles that day mm-hmm. by just stopping and listening for them to get back together. I yep. would, I would spend a lot more time, uh, just, I was telling Craig and Henry, we were talking about just getting, getting there early, but not start, not just immediately letting dogs out, just kind of sip coffee and sit yep. in some chairs and on a high spot and, and listen for those birds to call. Well, you are really a member. You are a whole member of the finer things club. Look at you. I brought chairs on our last night, bro. I was he, like, he brought on. sandwich stuff. He made sandwiches. You did. You I did. got a new dog box, bro. I'm well. One <laughs> one thing I hate is the fact that I actually turned down a sandwich from you. And as soon as I got on the road, I was like, "Freak, man! Why did down you, man?" I I took the beer, but didn't take the sandwich. So I tip to C. If you want to make hunting friends, bring beer and sandwiches. Beer and sandwiches. <laughs> always the move. Beer and sandwiches, always the move. You coming with the hot tips today, man. You, All day. Just new book. You're like a hot warehouse tips. full of, full of tips. <laughs> tip. I'm going to write a book called Just the Tips. <laughs> <laughs> might want to Google tips. that and see if it's taken. Yeah, don't. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> Yeah, don't Google that one. <laughs> Just right. <laughs> Just hot tips. <laughs> or put but I feel like if you put like just a tip bird dog, I just feel like it'd get really oh, weird. Oh, whoa, it get really quick. <laughs> you know how you like try to specify your 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 cert? It I think it just gets Ooh. really weird at that point. Yeah. So yeah. my hot I was looking for a pneumatic later the other day. Well, I'm sure you can imagine the uh, the Google search I came up with. Say that again. What? It's a pneumatic regulator, and so Max Flow is the name of it. So I went to Google Max Flow. And, uh, yeah, you talk about refining your search. Yeah, refine my search on. Because if you Google Max Flow, not regulators you're gonna find. No, bro. You're not. You're not gonna find that, dude. <laughs> you're definitely not gonna find that. Um, so, to my, so my my hot tip is watch your Google search. What? <laughs> <laughs> watch your Google search, okay? And, and and that's my hot tip number one. My hot tip number two is. You are not, don't trust Georgia uh, quail men. Don't trust Georgia quail men, particularly these five, to tell you anything about the truth about where you're hunting. <laughs> don't trust people there's, out here. There's a photo right behind me. Oh, y'all can't go there. That's a quota hunt. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> there is shade. Y'all are some shady individuals, man. Apply for quota hunts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, that is an actual, again, there we go. Sam, the the hot tip man, like another one. Actually, no, seriously, like apply to the quota hunts. Um, 
Yes, it was a pyramid good. scheme of friends that apply for quotas. <laughs> Sam, uh, Sam, it was both of our first years applying, and Sam, Sam drew. Really? Yeah, yeah it was my first year. Yeah, got one. Where I have been applying for quota hunts since I started hunting, and I've gotten drawn for a few of them. Yeah, yeah, I think it's not too uh, not too bad. Not too they bad. Well, it depends on where you want to go. Yeah, they they publish all that data, so you can look um, about like how many people applied for that quota hunt, mm-hmm. and how many people got drawn. How many people was it their first choice? All that data is available if, if you kind of. Sp- Take some time to comb through it and try to play your odds a little better. Because I don't, Atlanta Hassey is not like a a hot quota hunt. You right. know, it's, it's no Chickasaw Hatchie or Die Lane. You know, those are the big ones. That's I right. Got, I got home for Die Lane, man. And I heard, I found a gang of woodcock there. Mm-hmm. But I saw zero quail. I heard quail all day, but I, I found zero. Like them some. I don't know why it was so tough hunting that day, um, but Dine Lane is a good one. It's just you going to work for them birds, though. How many other people were on that hunt that day? The How many parties? I saw two other parties. And, I mean, they the place is so big, um, I saw them driving. I never saw – I never, like, legit ran into them. You're not going to – you are not going to run into people on these places down here as far as a quota hunt goes. Um, so apply for quota hunts. Hot tip. Uh, who do we leave? We got Craig and we got Henry. What you got? Um, my hot tip after all this, and I think Sam and me, you and Henry, we talked about this is pick a WMA or a place you want to hunt and mm-hmm. learn it well. Yep. Spend time. Go out there in the summer. Walk around with snake boots on. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, learn, and uh, stick with it. So stay with it. Um, and it, it's going to take more than the season to get to know a WMA. I mean, unless you did, unless yeah, you were yeah, literally camped out and you quit your job and found a, you know, either find yourself single or divorced, it's going to take, (laughs) it's going to take a long time to get around those, uh, those places. I still don't know the one that we were hunting. I still don't know that entire place. Like, and I've hunted it for two years now. Yeah. Um, And it's not even one of the bigger, I mean, I don't want to give too much away, but it's not one of the biggest ones. mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's birds there, so. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's what it is, Henry. What we got? Round us up. All right, last hot tip. This one may be a little sensitive, but uh, if you're ever traveling with a bunch of dogs and you got to stop and let them use the bathroom, now I learned this from a, a true old timer. Uh huh. Take you a box of matches and, and uh, stick them where the sun doesn't shine, so you'll know which ones have used the bathroom and which ones hadn't. There's your hot tip. Uh... i figured we'd end it on a good one (laughs) you have you 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 you, we can't just end there dude (laughs) you 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 gotta (laughs) we can't just end there this dude really told you that
Yeah, no, that's Gun Dog Magazine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, the guy that I got. Uh, the guy that trained my cocker. Apparently, he would do that when he took dogs across the country. Really? He'd, he'd travel with uh, you know six to ten dogs, and he'd he'd before he let them out of the kennel, he'd stick a matchstick up there and and uh, let them all out at one time. And as they'd hop back in, he'd check for the match. You just gotta. <laughs> You got to be careful and not go to any dry areas with dogs that have worms, or they'll they'll liable to start a fire. Oh yeah! Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> Bro, that's two mic drop moments in a row, right? There. You know he's been a guy the longest here. He has been a guy. The longest <laughs> oh my god! You are hilarious. How long, how long have you guys been been in the business? Oh, sorry, I'm not trying to extend. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. This is my second season guide. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Craig, how about you? I don't mess with that too much. I gotta. Uh, I do it a lot for fun, um, on and off, and and mainly work environmental science. You can say that you have a real job, Craig. We know right. what you were gonna I, say. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big boy. No. Yeah. I'm a grown up. I actually have a job. Well, cool. Yeah, I've been gone like five. I think five seasons. Okay. I I want to say this is nine for me. Yes, yeah, our fifth. Okay. Awesome. What a. Dang, I'm the I'm the young gun in here. Okay, well, excuse me then. Um, well, gentlemen, it has been fun. Um, I've had a lot of laughs, um, and it actually has been really, really, really informative. Um, all jokes aside, there has been a lot of of really good information delivered on here um, that I know will not only uh, kind of clear up the fog about the South, but then. Uh, you know, I hope people, you know, want to get in a guide and want to get into, um, you know, just running bird dogs because I do think having just j- just being straight up making money from bird dogs, like it it helps justify having more dogs. Oh, definitely, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it it definitely yeah. helps justify that. So, um, you know, guiding hunts is 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 fun, man. Um, and I encourage anybody once you get yourself something good, you know, definitely do it. Um, I think we have coined the, the, the name, you know, five guys. Um, and we'll probably manipulate that a little bit more, but I really had a good time hunting with y'all, man. And, and, and y'all yeah. some good folks. Yeah. Same here. So, you yeah. know, Sam, Sam, I think now we won't be competition and we can actually, you know, I, I, I don't mind sharing my Onyx pins with you now. Oh yeah, man. I feel like I've I've sent a few out there. Y'all yeah. can hit me up. Yeah, I got yeah. I I. There is a particularly big WMA that I'll let y'all know where I've hunted and whether or not there are birds there. Okay. I'm ready for some of these middle Georgia guys to show us where the woodcock are. That's what I'm. That's what right. my next hunt. Right. Well, I I. The record is. I'll have to hit Sam y'all. right here. Well, Shane's got him. We just got to go find him. Awesome, yeah. y'all. I was down to look. All right, guys. That is another episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. I want to thank y'all for 
listening and and, and supporting and, and just being y'all's awesome selves um, and contributing to Minority Outdoor Alliance. Um, thank you so much, um, you know, Jonathan Emily Suski, um, Dave Karitsky, um, and so many more that have you know donated to Minority Outdoor Alliance. Um, just to name a few, you know, just just good friends of mine, buddies, and. And good folks that I may may or may not have spoke to you before, but if I have, uh, thank you again. If I have not, special thank you. Um, you know, and of course to the folks that that make it all possible. My sponsors, um, Onyx Hunt, You Can Have a Sporting Dog, Trinity Britons, um, AYA Fine Guns, Dakota Two Eighty Three Kennels, um, Lion Country Supply, and Garmin Fish and Hunt, along with Cable Gangs, guys. So. That's the the, the the smorgasbord of awesome sponsors and affiliates, guys. And make sure y'all check them out this holiday season, guys. All right. Stay tuned for another episode soon. Talk soon.